Hello, everyone. Welcome to Free Reverie, hosted by your one and only Jujubee. If you haven't noticed, that's me. This is a podcast talking about anything and everything. Make sure to follow me on my social media, Snapchat, JBSU, Instagram, JBSU18, and Twitter, at Perfect Flute. Now let's get talking. Symphony. Hey guys, welcome to another podcast of Free Reverie. I am your host, Jujubee, if you didn't already know that. Uh, we do have a, another guest, and would you like to introduce yourself? Oh uh, Yeah, well, thank you for having me on your podcast. No uh, my name is Josh. I am the director of a digital marketing agency in New York City. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very honored to be on this podcast. <laughs> well, I'm honored to have you as well. How is it in New York? It is... Miserable, the weather. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the weather is... Same here. Uh, it, it was sunny the other day, and, and, and today it's very cold. It's like that throughout the entire year. So it's kind of a joke that global warming doesn't affect us because it, it, it gets hot one day, and then mm-hmm. the next day it's just freezing cold, and we have chaotic winters, and it's the weather's weird. It's very bipolar. That's what I just talked about with someone else. The other day, I was like, if someone tries to convince me that global warming didn't exist, just don't. Just don't say it to me at all. They just started laughing because I was like, seriously, it's it was snowing after it rained just last Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, and like what happened was it was raining off and on throughout the day, but it was still sunny. And then it started hailing towards night and then snow everywhere, like just covered. My car was entirely covered. And I was just like, why is it snowing? And it's almost April. And now we're mm-hmm. in April, and it's still chilly, and I was like, this shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I mean, in New York, it's been like this for as long as New York has been around, and all my life, I've just known the chaotic weather, so it's just kind of like a northeastern thing. Yeah, well, we're East Coast, so, <laughs> or uh, Midwest, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're from where exactly? Indiana, so Midwest. Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Midwest. <laughs> I have to keep reminding myself. Because <laughs> we're Eastern Time, but we're not necessarily East Coast. Yeah, you're more like Central U.S. Yeah, but we're in Eastern Time, which doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. I don't know how it works, but it works. Because what I've been used to. Um. Anyways, so what is your company called? So it's called JC Surge. Uh, JC just stands for uh, Josh Conrad and Surge was just kind of a word that I picked up out of the dictionary and I thought it sounded cool. I was originally actually looking uh, in the beginning of the year when I founded my company, I was doing web development as joshct.com and so I was wondering what I could call an actual company. I didn't want to make it like sound like my name. I know some people do that for personal branding, but I chose JC Surge just, you know, to kind of detach myself, not entirely, but detach myself in some way from the actual business name, and that's the name I came up with, and uh, it's stuck, and yeah, it's kind of grown over the past few months, so I'm kind of happy about that. Well, that's pretty cool. So, have you always decided that you wanted to be part of, like, a march- uh, marching, marketing agency? <laughs> uh, no, actually. It was something that came out, I think, a year ago. Uh, most of my life, uh, 
I didn't know what I wanted to be, like most people. Uh, growing up, I think in middle school, uh, I, I was into being an EMT. I wanted to be in the EMS. And in high school, I had plans to join the military, actually. And unfortunately, due to a couple of medical reasons, I wasn't able to. And I had a whole plan to do that after high school, but uh, because I didn't go through, you know, I was kind of stuck with what do I want to do? What can I do? And web development, I've actually been involved with computer programming since I was 12 years old. And, you know, as I got older in my you know senior year of high school, I started doing web development and uh, freelance gigs for other people. And then this marketing agency I kind of took on uh, because I started realizing I could get results doing something called SEO or search engine optimization, where you essentially take a website and you... Uh, you, you configure it, you know, on page, off page doing, you know, kind of SEO magic. And then it appears on the first page of Google for specific keywords. So I started seeing some results with that, with other businesses. And yeah, so it's kind of grown on me actually. Okay. All right. Just to give the audience as to what SEO really means, doesn't it mean search engine optimization? Yes, it does. Okay. All right. And so, um, explain what it what it is about because I know what it is but I don't think everyone else in the audience technically knows yeah and there's a lot of people out there I think that when they you know business owners that aren't in the tech field mm -hmm. they have this idea that SEO is this you know uh, this really complex thing and it's very very difficult to do and uh, or and then there's the other side that's like, OK, it's not useful at all. But there's also the other extreme where it's, you know, it's oh we need this. We need that. Uh, one place where you see that a lot actually is law firms. They make a big craze. Uh, they, they hype up SEO a lot and they think it's for everybody. And, you know, as much as it helps my business, I don't want to say that every business needs SEO. Uh, yeah. It's, so it's something that. Uh, it takes time to actually do, and it's an investment, really. Right. Obviously. That's why you should, if you're going to be invested, there should be a marketing team. There should mm -hmm. be, like, some type of department. Or, um, you, you know, you should have, like, an understanding of digital marketing because uh, a lot of the businesses I've worked with, uh, they don't actually have a marketing team. However, usually the business owner uh, has heard of it somewhere because, you know, an uh, HVAC, they talk with plumbers, they talk with all sorts of people, a locksmith and a barber, they, you know, these kind of home services, small businesses, they talk to each other. So, you know, one person says SEO is important and then other people kind of find out about it. And so they have this idea of what it is. And that's usually the people that I, I usually reach out to. Uh, bigger firms are a lot harder to get. And uh, only one year in, really, I haven't actually gotten the chance to get a big company on uh, my client listing, although I hope to get one soon. Okay, so how big is your company so far? So currently, I am the uh, the director. I'm the the. It's an employee of just me, really. Uh, I have another one of my friends who I've been very good friends with for a long time. He helps me out doing graphic design and some of the SEO work. So we kind of contract some of the work together, mm -hmm. and uh, he's been a great help. Uh, generating leads, getting us some um, uh, graphic design, like posters up and stuff like that. Okay. All right. That's, that's kind of cool. Have you ever considered outsourcing a bit? Uh, yes. Uh, hopefully, I do plan in 2019 to 
uh, scale my agency probably over the summer because right now I'm a bit busy mm -hmm. and I hope to get sometime around uh, maybe July or August actually put together an outsourcing team together so I can get um, you know more clients and be able to focus on actually doing the work because a lot of the work I do is eaten up by busy work mm -hmm. like cold calling people uh, writing emails making video audits and stuff like that not actually doing the technical work which is what you know I enjoy more right right um, so I can actually send you a link as to like what I do for my outsourcing and it's pretty cheap it's just mm -hmm. something that someone gets done um, and you can you can connect with those individuals like I have and try to create somewhat of a team and so I mean I can discuss that with you some other time um, because it's not for everybody outsourcing is just not for everybody they yeah don't so I I've done some that. outsourcing with Fiverr in the past yeah I use Upwork Ah, yeah, Upwork is also pretty good, I hear. Yeah, yeah. So, um, if you if you already know those, then you already know where I'm going with that. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so those are really good sites for that. Um, so how would you describe your company culture? Like, what do you what do you want? Do you want to have just like a work at home type culture, or would you want to have like a legit business at a location or several locations? Mm -hmm. So. As far as my marketing agency goes, uh, I'm comfortable right now working at home. Uh, I do hope to uh, actually get an office, although the problem, at least in New York, is rent is incredibly expensive, mm -hmm. especially for an office. An office, you're basically paying for another apartment rent. It's like $800 minimum for like even a small room well size. Might as well just live there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, rent here is like $1,500 for a one-bedroom. Uh, that's even oh, being no. lenient, but uh, an office space is like 800, 900 a month, so you need to be making good money to get that. Uh, but I do actually plan to live in Burlington sometime in the next couple of years. That's someplace I, in Vermont. That's actually someplace I've really wanted to move to. I've spent many summers in Vermont. It's a beautiful state, so I would love to have the chance to live there and possibly even opening up an office there where the rent is a whole lot cheaper. Mhm. Mm yeah, rent here is just like 500, 600. It could be up to a thousand or whatnot, but that's just like for housing. Yeah. And then by then you're getting to mortgage basically. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that is what it is. But um, yeah, you might want to choose somewhere where it's just a little bit cheaper, uh, especially when you're doing a business by yourself. So yeah. what is it like trying to start up a business by yourself? Explain to everyone else because it, it's yeah. I know it's tough trying like for myself trying to get this podcast going and trying to work my full time job it's quite difficult. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean for you I couldn't imagine how how much <laughs> how busy you are because yeah. you know, like, dealing with so many different things. Uh, for me starting up a business, uh, I started when I was doing uh, the freelance work. My the very first thing that I did was I got back into web development after many years of not being in it. Mm -hmm. And I had basically heard from, a, I forgot exactly, a dreaded dev, if anyone out there knows. He was a popular web developer who made his way from almost nothing to a decent living. And 
he suggested using Craigslist as a way to get your first couple clients. Mm -hmm. And I remember I would spend hours and hours sending everyone, just give me a chance to do your website. You know, I was just looking for one gig. I even did it as low as like $50. And uh, the first client I ever got was actually my barber. And so I designed his website and I got him, you know, his whole website up and running and I charged him 50 bucks. And, you know, obviously that's nothing, but at the time, you know, getting your first client, it's a good feeling you get. But the main problem that a lot of people have is that the first, either there's one of two scenarios that really happen is the first, you get your first client and it looks like you're going to go well. And this might be month one, month two, uh, depends on the type of business, of course, but you know, month one, you might get your first contract. You might make a thousand a month, but you don't really know what you're doing and then it fails and then your reputation is a bit, you know, it's kind of damaged and mm -hmm. then after that people give up. Or, you know, after a few months, this was my case, uh, you get a, you know, nobody. There's nobody that wants to give you a chance and I think the biggest struggle for me was in the fall when I was, I was interning at a uh, music company in Midtown. They were, uh, doing like wedding DJs and stuff. And so I was trying to get referrals from my boss and stuff like that. And uh, at one point I actually got the chance to work uh, for free doing social media management mm -hmm. for a uh, fitness instructor in Stamford, Connecticut. That'd be fun. Yeah. So uh, I was working for free for two weeks and then I went to take the trip. I went all the way from Manhattan and Stanford, and I don't have a car, so I had <gasps> to take the fly? metro. Yeah, so I had no, I had to take the metro north. So it was two hours, and I remember I charged her forty dollars just to cover the the train ticket cost and like ten bucks. And I got there, and her name was Wendy. I shouldn't probably say her name, but it was only her first name, so you know it's all good. <laughs> and so, uh. I went there to Stanford, Connecticut, and I walked for two hours to get to the place from the station, and then I spent my time there. I had to use the bathroom really badly, but she was then – she kind of blew me off almost. She was like, oh, I'll be there. She said to be there at uh, 1 p.m. She was there like 2.30 p.m., oh, so I was standing for an hour and a half in front of a shopping mall doing nothing, and you know, I remember we were talking, and then I was telling her about what I can do for a business, and Keep in mind, I was doing this for free. Right. I wasn't charging anybody, not even a cent, other than just for me to get there. And then she let me have this herbal kind of tea for free or whatever. That was, you know, it was chaotic because um, uh, I'm actually open about this. I have ADHD. Yeah. And I mean, I have caffeine. It makes me go kind of insane. So when she, when I had that, it was like a really caffeinated tea. Uh, that was kind of an interesting experience, but. I remember You're able at the end to, of the like control yourself. Yeah, I was kind of jittery and yeah. I had to use the bathroom really badly, but I didn't want to leave the meeting. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh no. So she at the end of the meeting we had left or I had left and then I knew this because I already knew a decent amount about sales because I had studied over the summer a lot about like sales and and what to expect when running a business and stuff like that. So the moment she said, you know, uh, I'll let you know our thoughts, I knew that was a no. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I would never hear from her again. 
And I just remember coming back on the train. I was so... I had mixed feelings because on the one hand, I did make $40. I made about 12 more dollars than I had at the beginning of the day uh, after the train expenses. But I just felt like I had wasted a lot of my time, a whole day on something that was utterly useless if I were to look at it that way. Right. It was like she got somewhat quality work for... Yeah, for for nothing. Yeah, pretty much. Because, I mean, so... What, 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 what do you market like a target, I guess, for yeah. different companies? Is it just any sort of company? Because there's certain ones that are going to be a little bit more high ROI, of, a little bit more. Um, you'd have to know what you're talking about. Let's just say that much. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. So there's different niches. So what's posted and. How it's how it's presented and stuff because you got to target a lot more like like the trucking industry or um, yeah uh, like a, a motor company or something like that like it's gonna be different than just the fitness side the fitness side you can market that like anything it's one simple post you know of them working out your your gold you know I mean mm-hmm. it just depends on how you present it mm-hmm. so yeah so. That was actually one of the problems I had was niching down. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, this goes for most businesses too. Like if you, you know, you're a barber, what do you, who is your target audience? You know, is it keeping, you know, kind of cheap barber, cheap haircuts, or is it more high end professional hairstyling? Or, um, you know, when you're doing uh, SEO in my case or in digital marketing, Am I going after a restaurant or am I going after, you know, B2B, business to business type of uh, companies or, you know, business to customers or something like that? Well, you want long-term clients. You, you don't want yeah. just, just the, the business to business. Yeah. So when I had come, I learned a lot actually from that one, you know, free trip to Stanford. <laughs> I, I learned a lot. I was kind of reflecting on my train ride back. You know, I got the experience of doing that and yeah. it, it's something that, you know, you know what not kind to of, do. Yeah. It also takes a lot of guts to do that. You know, yeah. I've never met this person and I've only talked to her on the phone a couple of times and here I am going out meeting with her and shaking hands with her and, you know, it was a failure, but it was a failure it was you know, that step closer towards success. Yeah, it was that initiative that you took. Yeah. Because so, you're trying to jump the gun. You're trying to see where you could take yourself. Like, yeah, um, exactly. Your options. Yeah. Exactly. And so... Uh, I've kind of niched down a little bit more uh, because of my internship. I was trying to break into the entertainment industry more uh, because I was working with a wedding DJ and he's involved with a lot of uh, uh, other DJs and stuff. So we were working. I was trying to reach out to recording studios and stuff he was referring me to. Uh, but I kind of learned quickly that New York is a horrible place to try and sell yourself. Yeah. So There's you got to be people out. that are like- yeah are known and they're yeah. just like, well, who is this? So what I did, what, what one of the biggest breakthroughs that I got was in December from a health coach, which was kind of ironic because I was kind of like, I didn't have the best experience with people involved in health and fitness, but uh, she reached out to me. Her name was Sherry and she owned this uh, kind of coaching site and coaching business in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And she reached out to me because what I had done, instead of reaching out to people on Craigslist, I posted ads on Craigslist offering my SEO 
and web development and stuff like that, all those services. And she found it and she emailed me and I gave her a video audit where I basically recorded my screen. I presented how I would help her with her site and what she could do to kind of add value and personalization to that. And so then we hopped on a call, we signed an agreement, and I think it was $500. And then I was very excited because it had been four months of running my agency with no results at all, and now I'm making $500. And again, you know, it's not enough to cover rent, not nearly enough to cover rent even in, you know, in New York City. So um, I had, I, I just felt pretty excited that I was able to make something. Mm-hmm. And so I remember very vividly, you know, just, just jumping up and down in my room, being excited that I had gotten a client and it just felt very exciting. And since then, uh, I've kind of scaled up towards more high end clients. So beforehand, I was cold calling, you know, restaurants, barbers who are, especially in New York, for lack of a better word, assholes. (laughs) They're, they're, they're not the nicest people. They're, they're more, uh, they're very, you know, they have the hustler mentality. They don't care. They don't have time for sales calls and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, most of my life I actually had social anxiety. So doing cold calls was something that if I had told myself five years ago I'd be doing, I would never believe it. And, you know, now I am able to, to call other businesses. I don't call these lower end businesses, but I do more contracting. That's the niche I'm mainly focusing on right now. Uh, because I've worked with uh, one of the, actually the largest elevator companies in New York City, North American Elevator, and the the president, the, his name is Tommy. He gave me a chance, and you know I'm very grateful for that. And then now I'm able to, you know, prove results on an actual paying client. So uh, the the health coach I also got results for, but you know. That was more of a one-time gig kind of thing. This was a more prolonged relationship with a actual business owner, and it's kind of helped me now. I'm trying to expand my uh, market into other states, neighboring states, to like HVACs, plumbers, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be best to kind of target uh, maybe local businesses. Maybe see like even if your budget's a little bit lower than what you're used to, you adapt to the business needs. Like mm-hmm. if they're like. We just don't have a whole lot to spend. You'd be like, you know what? I can work with you on that. And then just give them a breakdown of what you can do for them. Mm -hmm. Versus like if they were to spend extra, well, this is, you know, certain packages. Be like, you know, I have a package specifically for your needs. It's this amount, this amount only. I will get all this done. Give them a time frame, all this stuff. And then be like, okay, so then at the end, you could say, I would appreciate your feedback. And if you would like to continue business with me you know, here you are. So maybe do stuff like that, like for smaller businesses, because I know it's tough. It's tough. Um, I've mentioned several times on my podcast, my parents own a business. And so it was, it's small and it's hard to get it going when no one knows anything about you or yeah, what definitely. you're about. And so I think at that time it would have helped to have someone like you if, you know, you were starting out as well and you wanted, you know, we could negotiate certain terms and stuff. Be like, okay, here's a monthly, um, and it's like a monthly investment. I will get all this stuff done for you um, every other week. Uh, there'll be a posting or something like that. It's this amount each month. Yeah. And I've definitely done, you know, what I tried doing 
is to break it down um, into monthly payments or weekly payments, whatever. You know, I try and find a budget that really works for the business or a plan that works for the business's budget because uh, typically if you look up uh, for social media marketing or you know SEO or any sort of digital marketing services, a lot of the time they're priced uh, pre- uh, between $1,000 and $2,500 a month, which uh, is, you know, from from one business owner, it's a lot of money. You know, for a barbershop, that is a whole lot of money. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mind scaling it down a little bit. However, my main business is going to be someone that has higher ROI. So, you know, an HVAC, if they install a system for $10,000 for a new housing project, right? I get them two leads or two, you know, two clients, you know, if they, they've made, you know, $20,000, 30, up to $30,000 off of an initial, let's say, you know, $1,000 investment. So it's all about uh, who your target audience is because I can handle maybe three HVAC companies and I could be making about close to $3,000 a month or I could be, Focusing on, you know, that that job might be a little bit harder since it's more involved or I can, you know, do a little bit less but have more clients paying maybe, you know, $500 a month or $400 a month. Okay. Well, I mean, that's good that you thought about it too because uh, it's hard um, also with the bigger industries taking over uh, for any small com- small business alone in different cities and stuff to really – um, expand and be successful um, like all the mom-pop shops have closed yeah a lot of uh, them because have. of like Walmart and Meyer taking mm-hmm. over my mom hates Walmart she absolutely hates it she calls it the devil because it took over all the mom-pop shops that she grew up with and so she's like any place that I go that's a local owned business, I'm supporting 100%. Like, we're going to go eat there. We're going to do all this stuff because it's not Walmart. Like, she mm-hmm. refuses to shop there, everything. Yeah, so, de- yeah, I definitely agree with I like helping small businesses. In fact, that's actually that's how you like get noticed. audiences. Yeah. That's how definitely you get noticed because if you're a big company, I'm sorry, but your prices are too much. You know, there's always a catch. And yeah. but like people like you that are starting up their business understand more. Yeah. You know? And then when you grow into your company, you're going to be known as that person that cares and understands. You're not mm-hmm. going to be known as this money hungry. I just want to get this, done, you know, all that stuff. You actually care about your clients and that's what you want to be known for. Yeah. And my personal brand is really revolved around because my parents, I've, I've been kind of fortunate enough to grow up in a family that. You know, we we weren't rich, but we weren't poor either. Poor. We were pretty, yeah, we exactly. were pretty middle class. You know, we had enough. Uh, I've had, you know, the I've been blessed to be able to grow up in a decent neighborhood, get a good education and stuff. But you know, I, I was I had to build my business up from my bare hands. Really, it was me calling everybody. I know there are some people that, um, actually, a couple of my colleagues, they have had their parents, you know, kind of buy their way into. Uh, you know, these special internship programs and stuff. A lot of what I've done, pretty much everything from making cold calls to writing up contracts has been done from myself. So I know the hard work that goes into a small business, you know, a small business or even a medium-sized business. 
like um, if you own, you know, let's say a, a, a roofing company, right? And mm-hmm. you have a couple of locations. Chances are, if you're not like a national roofing company, you've probably worked from the ground up for many years. You know, it took many hard years. And I now, you know, I'm only a year in really, but I'm, I've already understood the, uh, the sleepless nights. You know, you, you just kind of forget to eat. You're so busy trying to get things going. So I understand, you know, the, the need to keep small businesses intact. And that's kind of my, my target audience is that, you know, I want to help small businesses grow and scale up to the point where they're making a pretty, pretty, you know, a really nice income by getting them more customers and more clients. Right. Okay. Like I said, I, I'm glad that you actually think about that stuff. And and I, I was the same way. My mom always said that, you know, we're not rich, but we're not poor. I'm so, like, excited that you said that because it's exactly what I grew up with. She's always said that we're, we're we live comfortably. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what it is. You know, we may stress about the next paycheck, but we don't freak out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have the bills generally under control. It is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. You're not living paycheck to paycheck, but you're just enough where, you know, taking a big trip is too much. Mm-hmm. So we hardly tr- ever traveled. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we we've went. traveled. We've, we When we would go up to Vermont, we would go, um, I think, about a few days a year. And that was pretty much our only vacation, really. Uh, we would save up a fair amount for that. And also because uh, my father worked, and he still works as a teacher. He's worked as a professor. And he spends, you know, pretty much most of his, throughout the year, just teaching and doing a lot of work. Uh, my mother actually, I did get some business help because my mom actually owned a uh, a legal business she would do uh, intellectual property management. And so she kind of gave me some advice for, uh, you know, starting the legal side of a business. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally speaking, you know, they were both and they still are very hardworking people and they don't really have that much free time to do the things that, you know, people that are uh, much more wealthy have the luxury to do. Right. Right. So, like, I appreciate where I came from because I am not, I guess, um, I don't want to get the most expensive thing, Mm -hmm. but I also don't want to get the cheapest either. Like, there's certain Mm -hmm. circumstances. Yeah, you know the value of money. Yeah. And I know, like, okay, yeah, this is cheap. This is going to save me money. But, you know, I just got a new laptop and it was like $500. I'm like, this is a really big expense that I'm like at the same time I needed one but I didn't want to go too cheap because yeah the cheaper it is especially when you're buying do, online yeah. it's different and so mm-hmm. I did buy it in a store and I know they they upcharge for a reason but that way it's under warranty if anything happens all that stuff so it was a big expense for me uh personally but um I think to anyone who grew up in a really like rich so to speak um, household five hundred dollars is nothing. Yeah, and also it's a lot about uh, investment. At least that's how I've kind of gotten my money is thinking about things more like an investment. Because uh, I'm looking to buy or upgrade a com- my computer because I've had this for many many years, and I'm not looking to get the cheapest thing. Uh, I'm looking to get something you know more high end because for what I do personally, 
I need a very high performing computer, whereas, you know, I don't need a car, really. Right. I live in the city, I take the subway, the subway is trash, and if anybody has ever been to New York, they will know <laughs> that the subway breaks down, it is horrible, oh, no. but it gets the job done. It's actually a little bit better than taking the car because, you know, the city driving in New York City is horrible. I can't imagine. I don't ever want to live in New York. I may visit, maybe, but I can see how busy it can get. Like, if you say you're going to be on work on time, that's ridiculous because there's something you probably wouldn't be. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's expensive. It, you know, it's busy. It's noisy. That's another thing. If you're not used to sounds, New York is not... I grew up it in the country, some, so... Yeah, it takes yeah. some time to get used to. When I first went to Vermont, uh, we stayed in a, in a rural area, and it was so quiet, and I actually had you trouble falling it. asleep because... Oh, no, because you're used all, to the car... Yeah, all I could hear were crickets, and it was a very weird kind of setting. <laughs> it, was, it was pitch black. In, this, in the city, I've been out, you know, at midnight... And I look up, and then the light is still – there's still light. There's still kind of – right now, as I look up, there's orange kind of – of an orange sky. So it's uh -huh. bright still. <laughs> um, your experience kind of reminds me of that commercial where they go camping, and they're laying down, and they're trying to go to sleep, but they can't. And they're like, it doesn't – it's not like home. So then they take out their cell phones, and they start playing – um, cars honking and all that stuff. That's, that's where they came from. That's how they yeah. go to sleep. And then they're out. Like, it's just, it's hilarious. To me, too much noise keeps me up. Like, I couldn't, um, I lived about 30 minutes away from uh, Muncie, which is quite busy uh, certain days. And so living in this city was terrible for me when I first moved there. And, oh my goodness. The sirens, because you would just hear, you know, fire trucks going off, the ambulance going off, the police going off. I mean, it was just like, seriously, because when I grew up in the country, you would rarely even hear a motorcycle coming by. Like, it was just so quiet, and that's what I was used to. I was used to hearing the crickets. I was used to just complete silence. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can handle the way I grew up, but it's peaceful. It's mm -hmm. very yeah, I peaceful. Mean I love I love actually both sides to it because um, over the times that I I've, I've stayed in Vermont I've done some you know I've done a lot of hiking and, and outdoor activities and just being in a quiet environment can be very soothing mm -hmm. but personally to live in like such a very you know silent environment is a little bit you know discomforting for me. Well, yeah, I mean I think it also depends on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're a reader and stuff, I think you would prefer silence. Yeah, I like it when when I read. I read a lot of books now. Uh, I have actually struggled reading growing up, but uh, over the last couple of years, I've been trying to read a lot more, and I found that being in silence or even having maybe the wind sound is a lot, is, it's really calming, and I'm able to focus a lot better. Okay. Um, I, when I was studying college and stuff like that, I would get a test done. I, I don't know. There's certain times that I would want silence, but a lot of times I just needed some type of noise, especially when I'm working on an essay or whatever. So I always play Dr. Phil in the background, like someone <laughs> talking. Yeah. But, you know, I could have just gotten that from, you know, not wearing headphones, but mm -hmm. I, I, it didn't matter. It was just that way I could get it done and people talking and 
I could I didn't really focus a whole lot on the episode stuff, but it was just sometimes I needed that to my mind's everywhere. <laughs> Quite honestly, it's just everywhere. Um so yeah, I can understand where you're coming from with that. <laughs> um let's see. So what is your process to address issues in your company? Like how do you handle customers who want to cancel their engagement with you? Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of canceling, I have not had that happen once. Well, how would uh, you address it? So the closest I've ever had was uh, when, a, when a client couldn't afford to keep going. Uh, her business, this was actually the, 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 co- the health coach I was talking about earlier. She wasn't able to uh, afford the, what I was charging her for our uh, on-page SEO. I think I was charging about uh, 250 a month, which I found a bit, you know, weird. She probably might have found someone else to do it or whatever for a cheaper rate. 20 which, or 50 a month? That's not bad. Yeah, 250 isn't too bad, especially since, you know, I was doing a lot of work for that. But uh, I think, you know, maybe she found someone offshore or something, someone that uh, might fit her rate. But, you know, it was kind of a, of a – I had some good understanding. You know, I was trying to – put myself in her shoes, you know, not everybody, this isn't something that everybody needs uh, immediately. So I kind of just said, you know what, that's perfectly fine. You know, we can split ways now. Uh, I do have plans in place in case, you know, clients do want to disengage or, you know, I've, if I've made a mistake. Uh, the the thing that I do is I have 50% upfront you know, that's pretty much non-refundable, at least in writing, it's non-refundable. So I protect myself legally from any sort of demands of getting money back. Because to be fair, you know, I am putting all this work into this project. And even if it doesn't get you the top results, you know, I did put in the hours, I did do the above and beyond, and I will always do as much customer support as I can. So if it's for, only 50 of it. It's only half. Yeah. What it would so it's be. not like 100% non-refundable. It's a yeah, 50% because, you know, is non-refundable. Some, some scammers out there who would say that and then they wouldn't do hardly anything. So yeah. at least you're protecting yourself that way too. And if you yeah. honestly made a mistake, then yeah, like you could offer something else. Yeah. And then the 50%, you know, if it was a really bad engagement, if I had, you know, messed up a client's website a little bit for, um, and if it was on my end, you know, I would take responsibility for that. And even though the 50% is non-refundable, I would give them the money back anyway. Yeah, it's also you build trust. Yeah. And it's also a good kind of, uh, uh, not dirty psychological trick, but it's kind of a, of a tactic to show that, you know, you're, you're you can relate and give sympathy to the business owner that you might've messed up with. And you can say, you know, I know this isn't legally, I'm not obligated to give you the money back, but here is it anyway because, you know, I might feel bad if it was really on my doing and if it's when maybe I was negligent or maybe I just wasn't doing the work that I should have been doing. And that's actually happened to me uh, beforehand. Actually, I forgot to mention that there was a catering company I worked with in the beginning of last summer. And this was actually when I was first, when after I got my barber as a client. I got another lead from my barber. He referred me to this catering guy, and we were going to do $250 to get him uh, SEO, right? So 
Uh, I got the initial. I got an, an initial fifty dollar deposit. I didn't know what I was doing then. I had no real written contract. It was just a mess, and I was excited, and I kind of just ignored the work. I didn't do the work. I was kind of prolonging it. I was kind of stalling and just being lazy. And eventually he complained, and then you know I didn't want to make a fight with anybody because right. the worst thing you can do is get into a fight with your customer. And a lot of business owners, especially people that do more blue-collared work, they tend to be a bit more aggressive because mm-hmm. you know they're doing hands-on work. They're 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 kind of more of a hustler type. They have that mentality. So uh, I didn't want to fight with my client. So I was like, okay, here you know, here's all the money back. Just take it. My apologies. And then we parted ways. No real uh, angry feelings at the end of the day. Right. Okay. I mean that. I mean it's good. That's really good. Um, okay, I, I, I'm trying to think of the word that you were really thinking of um, instead of just trust. Because you're saying it's something that's not psychological, but I, I know what you're talking about. Um, it's kind of like courtesy almost. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, the professionalism. Uh, reliability, maybe. Well, yeah, reliability. Maybe that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the communication. That's also something I should probably get out there is the biggest – I think the biggest – point at least for me in my business the number one thing that has kept me in business and why you know i hope to in the long run outdo a lot of competitors is i respond to emails the same day i get them i respond to them sometimes within like the hour of when i get them uh, if, if i get a phone call you know in the morning and then i have to you know have, I have things i have to do throughout the day and then lunch comes i will give them a call back as soon as like you know i'm ordering food or you know as soon as i get home the first thing i do you know after washing my hands is i'll call back anybody who uh, i've gotten a missed call from so having communication and making sure that especially a client that's already paying you can get a hold of you you know at three in the morning if a client is calling me and if i just so happen to wake up from it i'll take the call i will take the call because i you know if they need something that's important to me as well. Yeah, but you also need to set some boundaries, sort of boundaries. Yeah. yeah, because four in the morning is kind of ridiculous, but you can always have, you know, you have your email and, you, I mean, do you have a business phone and then a personal one? I actually do not yet. I'm looking to get kind of like a landline business uh, phone. Mm-hmm. I should definitely get that, but most of what I would do is through my cell. Yeah. Have you considered maybe just doing like a Google Voice? Yeah, or uh, Skype also has that option for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about doing that. Have a message machine going. Listen, first thing in the morning, I will call you back. You know, like something. Yeah, and I do let clients know that you know. Yeah. Sorry, we're closed from you know Mm -hmm. 9 p.m. to 7 in the morning. Mm Mhm. I tell my clients usually, you know, I work. Pretty much, and I think, you know, you doing, you can probably relate since you run a podcast and anybody out there that's self-employed knows that you don't stop, ever stop working. You know, you're, you're working pretty much throughout the entire day. So I'll be working at lunch. I'll be working when I can't sleep. I'll be working first thing in the morning. And it's not like I'm working on a consistent schedule. Sometimes it's scattered throughout the day. You know, there's some days where I'll work at 9 p.m. till 1 a.m., or some days where I'll be working, uh, you know, all afternoon, but it varies a lot. And, you know, I tell clients, though, that I'm available 
generally speaking in the afternoons and the evenings and after that you know don't call me but i'll still be working on projects and stuff right and that should be understood right just yeah, anybody i mean if i had my business like if i were to kick this off that's why i tend to do my podcasts around 9 30 p.m during any day because i have my son he needs to be in bed by 8 30 or 9 mm-hmm. i need to have that time to set up i need to have time to get going because i'm, I'm not going to set a time that's like 7 p.m yeah no that, not... that would be ridiculous right and it, it can't happen it's not going to happen that way, and that's why it's it's hard to negotiate. And one of the benefits about you know being your own boss is that you can uh, set that schedule. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody is wanting to start a business, you need to have boundaries. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You don't want to be that sucker that falls for anything because people are going to take advantage of that real quick. Yeah. The fact that you answer all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. What terrible. I usually try doing is doing it out of a favor, but then also. You know, maybe the first time they call me, I won't answer. But then the second time, I'll say, you know, okay, I'm taking the time to do this for you. So that way it seems more, they'll be more appreciative of that gesture. You know, okay, I usually go to bed, uh, me personally, I go to bed usually about 10 or 11. And then uh, I'll say, okay, but this one time I will do this. And then if they try and do it over and over, I'll say, you know what, I can't do it all the time. And that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the same with me. I there's one circumstance where I I did schedule a, a podcast that's going to be you know a couple weeks from now um, that I did choose 7 p.m. because that's the only time they had left. I mean they're a big corporation, whatever. And um, I'm not saying whatever as in I don't care, but it's they're a big deal. And so I'm like, okay, to fit in their schedule, I have to um, really make it work. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to have him and his wife in it. So I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's going to be so much to talk about then. So I, I've had to um, schedule that. But I, I think this is going to be the only time because I'm not going to have anyone who's going to watch my son as I do this. And he's going to be up. So I'm like, he's got to stay quiet. I mean, I don't know how it's going to work. But mm-hmm. maybe if this happens, then people will know that, you know, I do have a kid, and he, I am busy, and if you do hear him in the background, then, yeah, I'm completely normal. It's going to happen. I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you have to know who's kind of, like, the, the I guess, more important character. So who would your priorities almost? You know, if it's a big comp like, again, if I get a call from, you know, some restaurant or some catering company that's kind of low-budget – they want to call me or they want a contract done, you know, in a week or like in the same day or whatever, you know, I'm going to probably say, you know, Hey, listen, you know, you're not really paying me that much. You know, it's not that much of a return for my investment uh, of my time. But if it's, you know, a high paying major company that wants to speak with me, you know, at 1am and I might never get that gig. Yeah, sure. I'll lose an hour of sleep. No big deal. Because one it's, time. <laughs> yeah, I, I need. Yeah, of course, I'm going to hear somebody out who's willing to pay me several thousand dollars a month. Of course, I'm going to like hear them out whenever. You never can, know if that morning. person's working up late, too. Like, I need to get this done as well. You never know if that circumstance is you know, it's different for everybody. Definitely. So, yeah, you don't you don't want to miss a chance, but you've always got to set boundaries. There's always exceptions to certain things. 
But just because you're a big company or whatnot, I don't think that always is the exception. I think when you're first starting out, it may, might be so that way you can yeah, because you of the need game. the referrals, you need the the business coming in initially. But it's all once about you, networking. Yeah, and once you have kind of a steady base, then you can kind of set your own rules and make them more strict in so many words. Yeah, because you have a life too. Yeah, definitely. You can't keep you know catering to everyone else's needs. That's what the hardest part about any customer service. Um, Industry, the customer service industry is. It's, it's why it's so hard. Uh, you know, because I was a bartender and waitress for five years, and I was my first job was Pizza King. I've always been in the customer service field. And to please everybody, you just can't. It's not possible. Don't try to make it possible because it's never going to happen. You're going to have those negative Nancys out there, and then you're going to have those that lift your spirits high. So... You know, all you have to do is be true to yourself, be kind, keep negative, you know, feelings away about any situation. Now, mm -hmm. in the field that I am in now, there was a circumstance where this woman on the phone got really nasty with me, and I was just like, I'm sorry, ma'am, I wasn't, you know, that was before I even got here, I'm not sure how, you know, what happened, but you can't take all your frustrations out on me. And I don't feel like that was negative. I I mean, she was, like, screaming at me. And I'm just like, I I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. And also over the phone. I'm like, you know, stop. Like, what do you think I'm doing? I'm not trying to sell you, you know, lawn chairs and stuff. I'm, I'm trying mm -hmm. to get in touch with your husband because this is related to um, what he does for a living. So, uh, it's just, it's so... It's different. People I guess, can be crazy too. Yeah, yeah. So there was this um, circumstance where I was working for my mom, and so I'm like waitressing, and there's this. I, I assumed they were a couple because uh, they came in together. I didn't know they were just friends, but and the woman was black and the guy was white. And the only reason why I'm saying this is because this is what the situation was. So we had this sandwich that was on our menu that was called the Mammoth. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the biggest sandwich that we have, and you can't get it to go because it won't fit in the to-go containers. This woman persisted, persisted to get it to go because she wanted her husband to have it, whatever. And I kept repeating myself, I'm sorry, that's the only sandwich on the menu. Now, is there anything else that you can get them? And then, you know, she, she, she just kept persisting. I served them their food, um, you know, I always put the plates and stuff gently on the table and I scoot it if need be um, closer to them because depending on how hot the plate is I'm not going to burn my fingers but I'm also not going to have it drop to the table either mm -hmm. so I'm like serving and you know I just let it go I tell my mom you know this woman's being really rude with me because she wants this to go and mom was like we're not going to do that couple hours later the guy calls and wants to talk to the owner <laughs> okay he mm -hmm. tells her, tells my mom, the uh, the waitress bartender was really rude. Uh, she was shoving our plates to the side, and we feel like she was just racist. Oh, my God. Oh, I my mom sort of, like, chuckled a little bit inside because her response was, I don't think that is because her boyfriend happens to be black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, my boyfriend at the time was my, my son's dad. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, seriously? I was right. Ra- because she wanted it to go, she wanted to do this. So then the next day, we had another employee <laughs> working, and the woman came back to try to do it again, trying to get the sandwich to go. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? So then when I, I was like, okay, so I'm racist, but really? But you're going to come back and try to get it again? Oh, it was such a laugh. But I'm like, people are going to do anything and everything to get what they want. But she was so determined to get this. You know, and she wasn't going to have it. I mean, I wasn't going to give it to her. I wasn't going to try to separate it. or No, we're not doing it. It's the only item on the menu that's not to go. How is that, like, hard to un- comprehend, you know? But I was very nice about it and respected their privacy, wasn't trying to bug them a whole lot because it was in the afternoon and there weren't a whole lot of people in the place at the time. So I was, like, busy trying to roll silverware, do what I can on the side. You can imagine you know, my mom's frustration. She was like, because she, we had so many encounters where people are trying to get something for free. And I don't know what this obsession is with free stuff. Yeah, when I go to an event and there's the free samples, hell yeah, I'm going to try them. They're free samples. The term, the term samples is free alone. You don't yeah. pay for it. So yeah, I'm going to get it for free. But I don't purposely go to places to get something for free unless I, you know it's in a, a i went to a festival this past weekend and there were free stuff and i knew there was going to be free stuff because it's a festival but i'm not going to go to a restaurant and cause drama to get something free like i'm not going to like oh there's a hair or whatever yeah no so, that's ridiculous yeah because yeah, we were at a restaurant um with the family and my sister ended up having like a small hair come out on the side of her pasta. And yeah, it was tucked under like some cheese or whatnot. And luckily she found it, but she was just like, this is really gross. But you know, she's like, it's food. Yeah. As long as, you know, there's not a dead rat. No, it's not. But it was like, this could have happened when, you know, right before they served it too. It could have happened like right before they laid down the cheese and it just got tucked underneath. It happens. Hair falls. But, like, it's not like it's dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone takes a, well, hopefully everyone takes a shower. I mean, come on. But, you know, it's hair. You just take it up. It's not any different from, I don't know, food falling on the floor and people picking up and eating it. It's not any yeah. different. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. Sometimes people, they just cause commotion. And I've, I've seen my fair share of that happening on the streets and stuff. People just causing a commotion. Because of something so minor. Yes. So I, I don't know why this world today is so sensitive. Mm-hmm. That's why I suggest anyone who's starting a business be careful what you say. I know how hard it is. It's hard because you don't know if someone's going to be offended by what you say. But if you stick to your guns and it wasn't offensive in any way, like towards anything, it'd be like, why are you starting, you know, why are you starting this? Yeah. And I think one of the best things you can do is not get. You know, try and maintain your composure to that, to what you're sticking with. Because, you know, eventually, if you get involved with it and then you say the wrong thing, now you look like the bad person. It's, you know, it's not fair, but it's the reality. If you, you know, try and fight fire with fire in that manner, it it kind of can backfire on you. Whereas, you know, you try and maintain your composure. You say, you know, you try and reason with the customer a little bit and then just say, you know what, it is what it is. You know, we can't help you any further. And... 
you know, then they kind of make themselves look like a fool. Right. So, like, what I suggest is if something like that happens and you know it's not offensive, maybe just say, I'm sorry that this has come across this this way. We will make sure to analyze everything prior to make a posting. However, this post doesn't, you know, just say something along the lines of, you know, this post has no relevance towards what you're talking you know, what you're talking about, um, but we will further um, be more, um, I guess, uh, not analytical, but... Proactive. Or... Yeah, yeah. Towards not having anything being offensive, like towards those lines. Just, mm -hmm. I'm sorry that this has come out this way. We'll, we'll just be more careful with our postings. Mm -hmm. And another thing that kind of bothers me along those lines is have, I don't know if you've ever seen on Amazon's reviews uh, for products and stuff, you know, there's always comments or reviews saying, you know, this product, you know, it didn't do what I expected it to do. And they didn't read, like, the item description. Mm -hmm. They're just complaining about something that was, you know, in, out of their convenience. Right. Like, when you go on eBay and there's um, a computer that's for 20 bucks, people are, like, gung-ho for it. And then they get it, and they're like, why is it broken? Why is this? But in the description, it literally says it's being sold for parts. But then they want to make a big deal online, being like, yeah, it's so this should have been, it should have been bigger words, so I would have understood. It's in the description. Yeah. <laughs> what, where else do you want? It can't be in the title. You're only limited to so much space in the title. Also, another thing that happens on Amazon is... Where they have customer questions about the product. Mm -hmm. So someone might be asking, oh, does this, you know, does this thing do this? And then you get a comment or a reply saying, I don't know because I haven't bought the item. So then why are you <laughs> responding to it? And I see this a lot on any sort of product that I buy on Amazon. You know, if, if it's, uh, um, you know, a pair of socks or anything like, oh, do you know if uh, it's made of this material? And then someone replies saying, no, but I'd imagine it would be. I haven't bought it yet, though. So then why are you commenting on it? It's so silly. Right. Or someone would be like, yeah, but it didn't fit right or it didn't do this. I would like my money back just so that way they get something for free because they know that certain circumstances, people don't have to send it back. They're just like, okay, we'll send you a new one. You could just keep this because they don't know. They don't want something that's used and back to them anyways so they're just going to send something for free yeah it's ridiculous right there's only been a couple instances and i've never made it um an issue like if you've ever heard of pure romance or whatever i bought this one product and it wasn't working um and so i got a hold of the seller and i was like listen i don't know what's going on with it but it's not working like it should and she was like you know i'm, I'm more than willing to work with you on this I'm so sorry and but then she just sent me something for free she was like because she wanted that trust yeah and I think when business owners go above and beyond that's a show of like true faith and dedication to their business yeah and so she's like the only person that I would honestly order from to be honest <laughs> because of that and it's not because she's also a friend of the family um, from my aunt but it's because she's trying to run her business as well um, now I do know someone else that I have bought products off as well. She sells pure romance and I do buy from her too. Um, but 
And, you know, she's struggling with trying to keep up with her sales. So, mm-hmm. I don't, right now, I don't know where she's at. I don't know if she's going to continue doing it or not. Um, I'm very supportive of her business as well. And I would buy from her again. It's just, I think she's slowly starting to give up. And so, I don't know if I'm going to buy from her yet again. I don't know. It's just, I think she she's just... She has so much going on in her life that it's affecting her business. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. Um, yeah. it, it sucks to say that you have to separate your social life from your work life. Because a lot of times, you know, it you do mix both. And it gets complicated. It mm-hmm. truly gets complicated. Uh, so have you had any instances where it, you know, it was hard to um, separate the two? Um, in some cases, yes. Like, I'll be hanging out with a couple of my friends, and I hate doing it a lot, um, so so I try keeping it almost to a minimum, where uh, I might have to, you know, uh, end our meet or end uh, what we're doing kind of short because I have to rush and do some work or something. But generally speaking, I try and make sure, like, give a clear line of my work and kind of my social life where, you know, when I get home and I do the work for, let's say I work five, six hours after that six hours, you know, on the weekends I'm I'm able to do more stuff because I'm not as busy. So on the weekends I might wake up at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. and then get everything done by noon. And then afternoon, if I have no calls for the day, I will not touch work at all for the rest of the day. You know, I'll be hanging out with friends, uh, talking with family and stuff like that. I won't be working. Uh, and then maybe once before going to bed, I'll just quickly check my emails and reply to everything. But I try and make a clear boundary between social life and work because I don't like the idea of, you know, being a workaholic. Right. And you, you don't want to come across as that either because then people aren't sure if they can trust you at that point because if you're a constantly a work and I'm not trying to put a bad name towards workaholics but they don't know when your breaking point is so yeah. they don't know if they should fully invest with you as much so when they know that you take time away for like if you have a family or whatnot then they can fully invest with you then because then they know like Okay, so he's not going to be stressed out. He's going to have time to really focus on me. Yeah, and you, you know, know everybody everybody takes time off for family and important social Sometimes events. Sometimes they do. There's some people that literally carry their work with them. Yeah, but gen- I think generally speaking, you know, uh, people that run a business and have you know a decent social life or family life, they they try and make some time for that, and, and uh, I would hope that they would make some clear boundaries or some sort of boundaries. Or maybe they're, they're just learning. Free. Maybe they're trying to learn. Yeah. Maybe maybe they need some guidance as to how to do that. Like if you're in that headspace where you just don't know how to go about it, um, think about what is important to you. And I, I plan to this year take some time away and go to like one of those meditation, um, Oh, what they're, what's it called? Uh, retreats. Retreat. Yeah. Yeah. And, I know I would want to take photos and stuff, 
But I can do that after I've gone through it. Like maybe say, okay, I've done this for a week. Now I can go and take the photos, maybe yeah. whatever. Or have um, a time throughout the day where I can take photos, you know, but I don't post anything. I don't go on social media or whatnot. I'm, or just take a camera with me. That would mm -hmm. be the smartest thing too. And just take my camera with me and that'll be it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? I try and not go on my phone when I'm talking with friends or anything like that, or with my family at dinner or anything like that. I know I've had dinner with a couple of my friends, and they're on their phones. And now my family, when I, at least going up, we've had dinner pretty much every night together. As I got older, I would have dinner on my own, but we would still – Friday night, because uh, my family uh, – I was raised Jewish, and on Friday night we have something called Shabbat, in, in Yiddish, it's called Shabbos, and basically it's like a day of rest, so we have dinner, and then we have kind of taken the religious part out of it, but more of like the family value, uh, we've emphasized more of the family value of just sitting down together for a good hour or two and just talking and stuff like that, which I think is very healthy in building you know, family relationships and stuff like that, so uh, yeah. I try... Making sure that at least if I'm very busy, sometimes I might not eat with them for the whole week. Uh, but Friday nights, I make sure that I always have dinner with them. On other th days, I always try and eat with them. And just knowing to, you know, not be so obsessed with some things that can wait. Right. I mean, literally, your job is surrounded by social media. And all. Yeah, why, and it gets really difficult. You, yeah, you need some space. And stuff, and I know you're trying to work on your own personal branding, but you can take one day out of your entire day. You know, like I, I've explained in my other episodes as well, they make this jar where it locks, and you set a timer, and you can't open that jar until that timer runs out. Mm hmm. That's actually a pretty good idea, yeah. You put keys, you put your phones, like it's great for family time specifically. Like mm -hmm. you put 72 hours, be like, this three day weekend, you're not on your phones. Mm hmm. You're you're relaxing. You're not watching TV. The remote is in there. You're not, you know, all this stuff. We're going outside. We're going to be exploring nature. Like, I would really want to do this retreat, and it's not just to get away, but it's also to put my mind at ease because I have been stressed out since college. Like, I found out I was pregnant the week of my graduation. So, for me, I've never been at that stress-free point mm -hmm. have you and done it, meditation like i have um i've done it on my own mm -hmm. um several times but i haven't done it as much as i would like to mm -hmm. um i had this journal and when i first started i was like okay so i have a year to get this done for this journal i'm gonna try to write in it every day as much as i can and i did i completed it um shortly after my son was born mm -hmm. and it, it was a great thing but Every time I would write in it, I would light incense and play um, this meditation music and just relax. And this specific music, it's so weird. It really is. And I'm not saying weird as the way it sounds. It's the way that it makes you feel because it's, it aligns your uh, chakra mm -hmm. to balance you back. And so when you're laying there and you're still awake but you have your eyes closed... There are certain songs that focus on the mind, so your head tingles. And then it would focus on the heart, and your heart tingles. 
And it plays like six songs to open your chakra. And then it closes with the next six songs. And it's so weird because every song focuses on a different area. And it, mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. The way that you feel, like you, it helps you sleep. It helps you do all the stuff. But I just don't have time for it right now. I don't have time to um, play a CD or anything. that Because anytime that I need to sleep, I need to get it done. And yeah. I need to have it because I like I'm terribly busy right now. But once I find a place, a new place to live, once I get settled to where I can um, manage my time a little bit better, I'll probably get back into the swing of meditating and stuff. Maybe and try to get my son to do it with me. But he's still at the age where he won't understand what I'm doing, and he mm -hmm. can't mess with half the stuff that I have. Uh, so it'd be a great way. For for eventually my son and I to do together on like one day a week we just come together and we relax and meditate. Mhm. Mm That's something that I I've always tried to emphasize uh, at least on myself. You know, meditation has been a part of my routine I think for a, over a year now. It's been something that I do consistently. Uh, there's some days of course that I forget, but generally speaking I do it at least, you know, four or five times a week where I take, you know, five, ten minutes to do different types of meditation. Uh, in fact, actually on my uh, Instagram and uh, on my website, I have a couple of uh, posts on meditation because it's just so useful. And people have uh, a bit of a, of a not such a great relationship with meditation sometimes because they think it doesn't work or they don't see the benefits. Even after a month or two, they don't see it. But the benefits are very subtle, I think. It's very much, you know, the other day I was uh, kind of bummed out because of something that happened at work and it kind of really got to my head for a few minutes. But after a couple of minutes, I took a few seconds to just focus and, and, and think, you know, I'm kind of just overreacting a little bit now. Uh, I, this is kind of more just my emotions, you know, juggling around and just kind of be, bringing myself back to the present and say, you know what, it's not a big deal. I'll get to it tomorrow morning. The, you know, worst comes to worst, client calls, and then I say, you know, I'll get to you in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. So just the ability to kind of get back into the moment and, and detach yourself from, you know, chaotic and hectic situations, I think is one of the great benefits of meditation, uh, as well as, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with stoicism. Yeah. Yeah, that that's something I've been practicing a lot, at least in 2019, is being very stoic. Not being, you know, like a robot and not emotional, but rather being more in control of my emotions. So, right. yeah, like, you know, understanding when you're upset or understanding when you're frustrated, being able to acknowledge those emotions and letting them pass, but, you know, not doing crazy things because sometimes when people get mad, they start you know, becoming abusive or they start yelling a lot, but just becoming more composed and, you know, okay, things are not looking good, but, you know, knowing that things will get better and stuff like that, it's, it's a very good way of helping yourself. It is. And I think a lot of people have this misconception that meditation is just like yoga. There are so many ways of meditating. It's, it's the way that you cope. Yeah. It's the way that you free your mind from the negativity, from mm -hmm. the worry. And as hard as it is, there is a way to do it. Yeah. And so there's little ways to do it where you, 
even if it's on the way to work in your car, if you're listening to music that is soothing, that takes your mind away, that's meditating. That's, that's focusing on yourself. Like if you cannot think about what's causing you so much stress, that is meditating. Yeah. It could be cleaning your room or, you know. Yeah. Scrapbooking. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it could be anything so really. Things. Yeah. Writing. Um, even doing the podcast, which for me, this has been somewhat of like a journal, like a therapy journal for me doing mm -hmm. this because I wasn't able growing up to really speak my mind because I was raised in like that strict household, mm -hmm. you know, have to please everybody type feel. And so anytime that I would pretty much speak out, I was always told that, oh, well, you stutter too much or you don't know how to put your words together and it's because I struggled with that a lot. I was not open to my feelings and now I'm open to talk about anything and everything, which is what my podcast is about because I've, I'm learning, I'm still learning of who I am and what I want to do, what I want to be, uh, and all that. So this is somewhat my meditation. It's, it's more of like therapy though. Yeah. Um, so, um, when I start my meditation stuff, I will most likely be posting photos and probably thinking of different quotes and stuff like that to really get people to take time out of their day and focus on themselves. Because if your body is good and your mind is in a good headspace, then there's going to be good outcome for you. And I, cause I feel like if you cause so much stress for yourself, there's some type of like, not really karma, but there's going to be something coming your way that's going to hit you even harder that you're not able to handle because you're worried about too much. So it's going to hit you hard because you're going to realize there's nothing to worry about. I, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So if something is coming at you even harder, you want to be prepared and be aware be able to handle it way better than if you weren't yeah and it's also uh one of the things in stoicism that uh i've been practicing is uh voluntarily voluntary discomfort which you know some people missed it and kind of call it practicing poverty which i don't like to say because you know you're not you can't really practice being poor it's kind of really hard to do that really and it's not something you can just one day decide oh okay i'm gonna you know not eat for today but you know you still you can still eat but practicing discomfort is more about um training the willpower so doing things that you don't want to do and one thing that i've done a lot more of is taking cold showers you know i i'd, I'd make sure to take kind of freezing showers when i don't want to or if I'm feeling lazy, what I would do is I'll run. I'll, I'll run for a mile or two, and it's something that I don't find comfortable, but it's something that will train my willpower. So later on in life, when things become a little bit more stressful, you know, my I think that there is a finite source of willpower in everybody, and the more that you train it and the more that you exercise it, the more endurance and strength you will have in the long run. Right, right. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and they're a little bit fun, okay? Mm -hmm. Some are, might, might be a little bit serious, um, but it's going to kind of wrap up the episode. Okay. Uh, okay. So what's the most valuable life lesson you have learned because of a mistake? 
Oh, um, I think it would be don't uh read that rejection is better than regret. Oh yeah, I didn't even uh, think about that. Yeah, that one I think is good because um. I've dealt with a lot of rejection, you know, not just with women, but also in uh, <laughs> in, in the business world, you know. Yeah. I don't think I could possibly list the amount of times I've been rejected by business owners, but I've not regretted doing any of the things that I have done because I would much rather know that I get uh, – we're not interested or budget's too high or whatever – than to have never actually gone that far and then to kind of cower out of that and say, you know, I don't really want to do that because maybe they won't be interested. Well, call them and find out, you know, just see if they are because if they're not, the worst thing that they that could happen in any sort of uh, approach situation is that they're not interested. That's the worst possible thing. Right. So, yeah, so, you know, you don't find out unless you actually do it. So I think that, you know, if you're rejected, it's a lot better than, you know, not trying at all. Okay. With that being said, if you had a theme song, what would it be? Oof. I don't think I could answer that off the top of like my head. Walk, so much... Like, if you walked into a room, and this is like, just oddly that there's music in the background. If you walked into a room, and there was a theme song, what would it be? Oof. Like something that really means something to you. Um It all depends on the the kind of vibe that I get when I go into the room. Mm -hmm. You know? So there's sometimes well if I just landed a call, you know, I'll be listening to uh if anyone's from New York, I'll be listening to a lot of like SoundCloud type rappers, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but uh, they're kind of big, at least in the city. Uh, the other times, I might be listening to, uh, or might think of, uh, uh, what was it? If I'm feeling confident, uh, I forgot his, his entire name, Joe Episto or something, or You're the Best. That one is pretty good. Okay. Right, we'll have to check that one out, because I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's a fun one. You're a mad scientist. What scientific experiment would you run if money and ethics weren't an issue? Oh, running a... All right, so I've always had this idea, and this is something I want to bring to light somewhere down the line, mm -hmm. where I've wanted to get a bunch of people, kind of like Noah's Ark, but have us go to Mars... Like a, sp a giant space rocket that can carry like thousands of people and thousands and thousands of pounds of material people and stuff. And we can all just go to Mars because uh, someone who I actually idolize a lot is Elon Musk for his you know advancements in technology and stuff. And that's something that inspires me a lot. Okay. So if you could hack into any one computer, whose computer would you choose? Elon Musk. <laughs> that answered that question, not didn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what fascinates you um with his work like what is it about it well 
what fascinates me a lot is that, you know, from what I've read and from what I, you know, what people have said about him is he, and from what he said himself is that, you know, he's not in it for the money. Of course he does things for money, but he's not, that's not his sole purpose, but it's rather to advance humanity. And I think that's just something very beautiful. And it's something that's resonated with me a lot because, you know, I don't care to make millions and millions of dollars if it doesn't help anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, some things that I've thought of in, you know, the past or some things that I'm still thinking of are, you know, being a financial coach because a lot of people don't know how to handle money. But I want to be able to educate people on like different budgeting plans and stuff like that because I want to see people manage their money better and be more financially stable. I want to see people working together, you know, collaboratively using energy resources efficiently and stuff like that. So, you know, advancing technology or AI so that we can help, um, you know, disabled people or stuff like that. So, you know, just being in it, not for the money, but being in it to help uh, the overall um, mankind. Right. Right. Okay. And now, what gets too much attention in the news? Um, I think Trump gets too much attention, <laughs> which I think anybody would say. But no, I think that there's too much hype around what Trump says and what he does. Because on one hand, you have people that are you know, really anti-Trump, and I'm most of that a lot because I live in New York, so... You know, upstate New York is very Republican and even Staten Island, but the city itself is very, very Democratic and they despise of Trump. And uh, then there's the other far right, you know, they that support Trump to kind of an unhealthy extent. Mm-hmm. So I think that when they both and both sides, obviously, the big the big companies, they the big media sources, they emphasize the radical points against each other and so i think you know there's too much tension between that i think it's a little bit overdone you know he's the president he makes kind of dumb remarks in many words but you know he's, he is the president and i think that it, it's just there's a lot of tension over it when there's you know more to it than just what he's saying and stuff like that okay and last question, how many friends do you have on Facebook and how many actually mean something to you? So I have about 290 friends on Facebook mm-hmm. and I'd say about maybe like five or ten of them I take into a lot, like they mean a lot you to me. You engage more. Yeah. yeah. I've always lived by a quote, you know, trust nobody, love a few and care for all so Mm -hmm. i do have some consideration for most of the people on on facebook that i'm friends with i know they went to my middle school elementary school or something like that and i you know i do care about them and in so many words but uh, i only take like a handful of them like maybe a dozen into real consideration and and thought right because you know most cases i'm in the same way because most cases you know i did go to school with you but we never really hung out we just knew each other from classes yeah we didn't. We didn't do anything. Yeah. You don't know me. Yeah, and uh, the worst part is when you start making a name for yourself or any sort of. They uh, try to get success. a hold of you. Yeah. Then they're like, "Oh no, but we were friends, and we weren't." Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's stupid. Yeah. 
right. So I would like to thank you so much for being part of my show. I am so honored to have you. And <laughs> I hope that eventually that um, you could be part of the podcast again. Um, I would love to be part of it. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um, and I will make sure to post your social media links in the description below. Um, and I'm sure if anyone had any questions or want to get a hold of you to, you know, be a potential client for you, maybe get um, a free quote as to what yeah. you do, then you know, feel free to message him. I'm sure he would answer you. Uh, I would love let's to message support him. local businesses. Yay. <laughs> let's do this. Uh, do you have anything to say? Uh, no, other than, you know, anybody out there, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, there's a quote I heard a while back. You know, you don't have to do what you love, but love what you do. Yep. Live by it. Mm-hmm. Just find something out there and just keep doing it. Don't give up. Exactly. Well, again, thank you so much. I hope I didn't take t too much of your time, but I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. Yeah, thank you very much. No problem. It was nice talking to you. Hey, everybody. If you like the intro music, you can hear more and get your own custom beats by contacting me on Instagram at Music by Symphony. That's M-U-Z-I-K-B-Y-S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-Y. Once again, that's M-U-Z-I-K-B-Y-S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-Y.